Welcome back to Health Check. I'm Heidi Godman. My guests today are from Sarasota Memorial Healthcare System. We have Dr. Parlene Reed, who is a psychiatrist, and also Miriam Lasher, who is a Suncoast therapist. And we've been talking about how to navigate the holidays when it comes to stress and the blues. And now we want to talk about depression because so many people get through the holidays with with the blues, they are very unhappy at the holidays. Uh, they're very stressed out. But really, we want to delve into now the notion of what are the blues versus what is depression and, and how would you know the difference? So, Dr. Reed, let's start with you and tell us a little bit about what are the blues and what is depression? Right. The, the blues, as I had said before, really, uh, I relate to situational uh, issues that we've been talking about where people have stress or they have conflict or they have unmet expectations and they feel really down uh, about all of that. But you take away all, all of those things that cause them to feel down and now they're going to be okay again. Uh, there's another kind of depression that's more serious than that, I believe, um, that doesn't just go away. It's still mild to moderate, but in those cases, um, this, this, whatever the trigger is that made the depression occur is gone, but the person still feels depressed. And um, in a lot of those cases, what can, can be uh, what most useful really is to have therapy, and talking therapy will really get people out of that kind of depression. Mm-hmm. And so, so it's important to recognize that people have that kind of depression versus, you know, something that's just situational or something more serious that would take more than just talking. But as far as the blues, I mean, that's everybody goes through the blues once right. in a while, you right. know, and that sure. maybe you're just feeling blue for right. a couple of days, but right. it, it wouldn't last too long. Correct. Right. Is right. that right? It wouldn't last too long. But depression, clinical depression, I mean, that is, that's a physical condition. Well, yes, <laughs> yes, it is. Uh, but again, if it's not real severe, I think that, and actually it's been shown that psychotherapy can actually cause brain changes so that, um, you know, if the, if the severity is not high, therapy will actually help that kind of depression and pull the person out of it. So we and, have three different types of depression, right? We yes. have mild, yes. moderate, yes. and severe. Correct. And mild to moderate, isn't it true that in, in many cases it may be just getting some exercise? Regular aerobic exercise is enough to manage it. Sometimes if it's mild, that's true. Right. I think but if, if the combination, then you would then have to move to talk therapy. May, you may very well have to. And Miriam can tell us about the talk therapy well, because she's done a lot of that. Well, and uh, thank you for that. And um, I'm thinking about combinations of things that work so well. So, you know, from mild to moderate talk therapy, we know cognitive behavioral therapy is very effective we also know that combining it with physical can really make a tremendous difference. Sort of a one-two punch. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's tell everybody a little bit more about cognitive behavioral therapy. That's isn't that when you take the the negative thoughts that you have and redirect them? Pretty much. And there used to be um, rational emotive therapy (RET) in the early days. It got sort of remorphed into cognitive behavioral CBT. It's kind of interesting. But, but it's, it's really looking at our thoughts and are our thoughts negative thoughts and is there a rationale to them or 
are we looking at something and it's really not logical? And how do we reframe that and take different steps to move in a different direction? So it's it's very cognitive based, which when someone is really, really emotionally distraught, moving them into their cognitive or their thinking selves can really, really help them a lot. It's just the opposite. If you have somebody who's so intellectual, they don't allow themselves to experience their feelings. But you're, you're working exactly the opposite way. And it's very effective if you go ahead and I think you put that with a physical um, part of who they are and, and get everything in that brain moving and get the dopamine moving and it, people do really, really well. All right. So so there are different things that we can do to address it. And that's good for mild depression. That's good maybe for moderate depression. What about severe depression? Yeah, it doesn't work for severe depression. Uh, and and actually, I think it's a bad idea to try and cure severe depression with talk therapy because I don't think it will work. And, you know, um, what you see uh, what, that distinguishes uh, the more severe kinds of depression is that you have physical effects. You know, people have trouble with the, I, the four of the things that I think of right away are sleep, appetite, um, energy, and sex drive. You know, those are physical things. Those aren't whether my mother loved me or not. You know, there's, I, I can either sleep and eat too much or too little, both of those. Uh, if, if somebody doesn't sleep enough and they don't eat enough and they're losing weight, that's a kind of typical major depression or se- severe depression. If they're sleeping too much and eating too much, that's what's called atypical depression. But it's the same the same kind of severe depression. And doesn't severe depression also have um, uh, pain associated with it? It, it hurts, right? I think it doesn't feel good. Um, but, you know, what? I, another point I'd like to make is that individuals all present, even with the same severe depression, and quite differently and experience it differently. Some people, for example, have terrible guilt. They think about things they did badly in the past, and that's all they can think about. Uh, sometimes they're unrealistic about things. I've had people say to me, well, you know, we don't have any money anymore, and they do. The spouse will tell me, no, that's not a problem, but the person is so concerned that they won't have enough money to continue the life that they're living, Um, or they will have physical symptoms of other things, trouble walking, balance problems, headaches, all kinds of physical things in the older group that will be presenting as depression, really. And and all those things are considered depression, uh, depressive symptoms. But isn't it true also that depression is associated with a lot of chronic disease, diabetes, heart disease, Parkinson's, other neurological conditions? Oh, certainly multiple <clears throat> sclerosis. I mean, so many different things. How, how can you sort of sort that out and, and recognize it in yourself that maybe we have a problem here? Is it a certain amount of time or could even two days of hopelessness, extreme sadness, difficulty sleeping? How do you know when it's it's a severe problem? Yeah, I think if it's a couple of days, I would say you know you you need to wait and see. Uh, but you know, if someone becomes highly suicidal, for example, then I think you need to do something more drastic quickly because you don't want the person to die. Uh, on the other hand, I think that um, it is time related in the sense that it does take you know some days to weeks that, and that's I never see people after a week of severe depression as they've always had it a month or, or more. Uh, and, uh, and they can't function. I mean, that's the other thing. There's not only the sadness, but it's the inability to function. People can't get out of bed. They don't want to take a shower. They don't want to eat, uh, or whatever. 
uh, but they're tired. Uh, that's the painful part in some sense that you're talking about uh, and just can't do what they normally do. And there's no, no such thing as fun in their lives. It's everything is dark and negative and not okay. And it's disabling. It is oh, disabling. And they cannot Absolutely. function. They can't get through people their day. People can't work. Right. I've, I've seen people push themselves to go to work. And, of course, you know, the bad thing that happens about that when people don't recognize what they have and they continue to push is they lose their jobs because they're trying to work and they can't do it. They can't function correctly. They lose a spouse because, you know, they just go on and on and the spouse doesn't understand what's going on, but the person's not functioning. And so all kinds of terrible outcomes can occur if you don't do, do something about it. Right. Now, what about treating severe depression, the, the type that is just so disabling? Uh, talk therapy alone isn't going to do it. Right. Is it a component? It helps. If you do medication and talk therapy, it's better than either one alone. Mm-hmm. Medication. Mm-hmm. And then we, we'd said earlier in the program, we'd talk about something called ECT. Tell us about that. Electroconvulsive therapy. So that, that was something that was invented in the 1930s, and there were about 10 other things that were invented at the same time to help people with, with mental problems. Those all disappeared. This one survived, even though it was barbaric, and I believe it was barbaric. If you ever saw one flew over the cuckoo's nest, you would know that this is a terrible thing. But it's not anymore. It's uh, well-tolerated. It's safe and effective. And uh, it takes about two weeks on the average to get people out of a severe depression to a place where they're feeling okay. All right. And how do you get ECT? This obviously has to be prescribed by a psychiatrist. But at at what point does that happen in therapy? Well, it, it happens for a lot of reasons. One is people fail at medicines, and that doesn't work, or they became, become highly suicidal, as I said, and you can't wait another month to see if the medicine is going to work, or someone is failing. I mean, they're just failing to thrive, and they're not eating, and they can't function, and they're losing weight so rapidly that you just can't try things. One of the great things about uh, antidepressants is they work. The bad thing is most of the time they work. The bad thing is it's trial and error. I don't have a blood test that I can take that says, oh, this is the amount you need of this particular medicine. So it's a guessing game. Primary care doctors can guess correctly the first time, the first medicine they they give you for depression, they can guess correctly 50% of the time. Psychiatrists can guess correctly 80% of the time. Oh, good for us. But guess what? We're still wrong 20% of the time. So and this and the primary care doctors are wrong 50% of the time. So that means you have to try another different medicine and you have to try a different dose or you have to do something differently. It's trial and error. Trial and error. And that makes it difficult. But the good news is that 70 to 80% of the time it works. And people get some relief. Oh yes, they do. And can get yes. their lives back? Absolutely. Right. Yeah, they they're perfectly normal when it works. All right. We want to know more about this and maybe we can talk about anxiety disorders too. Uh, this is our holiday navigate the blues and depression show with <laughs> Dr. Parlene Reed from Sarasota Memorial and also Miriam Lasher, Suncoast therapist who was with Sarasota Memorial for so long. This is Health Check with Heidi Godman on WSRQ. We'll be right back. <laughs> 